Welcome to the Judge John Hodgman podcast. I'm bailiff Jesse Thorne. We're in chambers this week to clear the docket. And with me, as always, is the world's greatest father of two, Judge John Hodgman. I wish I could only live up to that barbecue apron. But that is, I'm just, I'm just doing the best I can like any other parent. And Jesse, this is not a regular docket, is it? This is a very special docket. We're back in juvenile court. Dun, dun. Is that the sound of juvenile court? <laughs> That's the sound that I was asked to uh, make for Dick Wolf's Law and Order Juvenile Court spinoff. Got it. That did not get made, and there, and it was not because it was it was maybe an unseemly topic for television because there's nothing too unseemly. It's like they said, why don't we get John Hodgman to make that sound instead of having the regular synthesizer or whatever do it? And they hired me to do it, and it was so terrible that they canceled the show. Like many working actors lost good paying SAG jobs and everyone wrote a letter to the producers saying, can't you just re-record it? You already have the sound on file. They said, no, John Hodgman just ruined it and ruined the vibe. Anyway. Wow. Words. My son just brought himself onto the show unbidden, so I'm going to introduce him. Whoa, whoa, uh, whoa, 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 whoa. What is this? An episode of the Doughboys? All right. No, this is the Judge John Hodgman Juvenile Court Edition, and joining me is, in the studio here at Maximum Fun is my son, Oscar, age eight. Nine. Nine. Age ah. nine. <laughs> World's best dad of three. <laughs> Honestly, Jesse Thorne, Oscar, I'm going to say this now in case you don't know it. Your dad is a terrific dad. Thank you, John. Did you know that I'm John Hodgman's dad? That's right, Oscar. That's true. Oscar Thorne is here with me, my nine-year-old son. He's back on the podcast. He's been very excited to, to come back. He's back on that pod. Oscar Thorne, friend of the court, hello. How are you? Good. What did you do today before this? Nothing. <laughs> okay. Nothing. You played <laughs> Fortnite with your sibling. I did. The yes. perfect conversation starter finally fails. That's because the wisdom of a child cannot be tricked, fooled. Uh, it cannot be um, buttered up. It cannot be talked down to. What does nor that can it mean? be buttered up to. I do not know what that means. It means that you have a natural wisdom and you see through my bull feces. What are you yeah. saying? When John is full of baloney, you can tell. Okay. Yeah. What I'm saying is you're here to cut through the baloney. We're going to hear a number of cases that have been submitted mostly by children Mostly against their parents. I'm excited. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think we know how you will rule. And some have been submitted by parents against their own children. And in a court of law, normally in this fake court of law, I decide who's right or who's wrong. But in this case, these kids deserve a jury of their peers. And even though you are peerless, you shall have the final ruling. Is that fair enough? I have the power. You have the power. Exactly. So let's get into it. Here's a case from Alec in Los Angeles. My father owns one of Stephen Hawking's time traveler party invitations. Oh boy, oh boy. You know, you know Stephen Hawking, you a big Stephen Hawking fan, Oscar? I have no idea who that person is at all. <laughs> Good. Let me tell you. Stephen Hawking was a, fa a very famous, what was he famous? I mean, smarty pants, but was he an astrophysicist? A theoretical physicist? Both, a little of each. He was an incredibly smart person who thought about space and time. He was the man behind the legendary film line, 
As they approach the horizon of the black hole, they are turned into spaghetti. What is that? <laughs> That's from that A from? Brief History of Time, the, <laughs> the Errol Morris movie of, his, oh, right, of, of Hawking's famous book. They are turned into spaghetti. <laughs> they are turned into, and he, and, he, and he spoke with the aid of a machine. So he sounded like a computer. And he was a, he was a theoretical physicist and cosmologist. He studied the cosmos, all of the stuff that makes up space and time. And he was very interested in time travel. Are you interested in time travel? Whatever I think about it, it twists up my brain. Yes, exactly. So get ready to get your brain twisted. Because Stephen Hawking, a bit of a pip, a bit of a prankster, he decided that if time travel were real, he could hold a cocktail party for time travelers from the future and then hold the cocktail party and then send out invitations the next day. The theory being that the time travelers from the future would eventually get those invitations and travel back in time to the party that happened before oh, he even sent out the invitations. Oh my God. Or whatever, right? Wait, that's so confused. So he had the party and then the next day he no, sent out invitations but... because if you're in the future and you can travel back in time... You'd get the invitation. It would be no problem to go to the party because you would just travel back in time to go to it. So guess how many people showed up to the party? Probably a, like a lot. From the future? No one from the future came to the party. It was just Stephen Hawking by himself and a sign Wait, did saying. did he actually do it? Yeah, he did it. He had the party. He put, up a, he put up a sign saying, welcome time travelers. And I think he put out some hors d'oeuvres, some little snacks, some little nibbles. And maybe some sparkling cider. I don't know. Maybe maybe a big bottle of Johnny Walker Red. I don't know. You don't know. The point is no one showed up. And Stephen Hawking had a good computerized chuckle to himself because he showed all of us who believe in time travel that we're full of poop. Yeah. So let's get to the case, Oscar. My father collects stuff like this. He sees this invitation as a historical artifact. I want to destroy it. Why? Well... I believe the internet will cease to exist in the next century, so there will be no digital record of the invitations. If there are no digital invitations and the physical invitations are also destroyed, it could explain why no one showed up at Hawking's party. My father wants to keep his treasure. By destroying the invitation, I wish to light a spark of hope that there is still a possibility, even if it is only a sliver, that time travel is possible. Oh, wow. This got very confusing. Um, you know what? Let's just go with, um, yeah, let's destroy it. <laughs> <laughs> I think you've made Alec a very happy person. <laughs> Look, Alec is 12 years old. Some people like to write long letters to the court of Judge John Hodgman. I love destroy it. Destroy it. There was a, we had to edit a little bit for, for space here, but one of Alex's great sentences was this one. You ready for this great sentence, Oscar? Yes. This is Alec writing. The kid is going to destroy this invitation. Okay. I am but a 12-year-old, but I do grasp the concepts of time travel. <laughs> Alex's theory is that if he destroys every physical invitation and the internet ceases to exist and there's no record of this party ever happening then that would explain why no future time travelers ever got the invitation. And that's why Stephen Hawking was stood up. Okay. That makes sense now. You want him to destroy it then? Yes. I like destruction. 
just for the sake of destruction. You don't care about the time travel part. Um, you know, I feel like there's a high possibility that this will go wrong and reality will collapse, but that's fine. Okay. And plus, I don't believe in, in any of this time travel stuff, so let's just choose one or the other, and I choose destruction. All right, fair so enough. Uh, name the method of destruction. This is a paper invitation, I presume, that his dad got off of eBay or something. Do, do they own a wrecking ball? Would a wrecking ball destroy a paper invitation? Oh, that's true. Um, maybe you can use your hands. Just tear it, tear it up. The wrecking balls mm-hmm. of the body. And then you can de- uh, and then you can just destroy it, throw it in the trash can, throw the trash can out the window, and then melt the trash can. What do you think, John? What do I think? Yeah. Oh yeah, I forgot. I forgot. I was just having a good time with my friend, the th- my friends, the thorns. Um. Because I'll tell you what I think, John. Yes. My son's fealty to destruction is second only to my fealty to stuff. As the proprietor of a vintage store, I could not in good conscience destroy something as cool as a time travel party invitation from Stephen Hawking. I mean, here's the thing. Alec has hope that time travel may be developed. Stephen Hawking, a kind of a stick in the mud on this point, destroyed his hope to a certain degree by setting up the stunt of a dud of a party in order to cast doubt upon the idea of time travel from the future to the present. Hmm, this is confusing. I know, it's very confusing. This is a mean thing to do. This invitation is a memento of a kind of a mean-spirited prank, but it is part of history. I mean, what I would say to Alec is this. Your dad, your dad loves this thing. He, he, he loves his little piece of paper. It is a part of history. Stephen Hawking was an incredibly important and influential thinker uh, who also, I think, had a sense of humor. And I, I appreciate that. And, and you kind of don't want to destroy evidence that this person lived. I would suggest that it's possible that you could acknowledge that another solution for why no time travelers showed up at this party, which is simply that it was a dumb party. Yeah, nobody wanted to hang out with old Stephen Hawking. You probably would yeah. just talk about theoretical physics and what happens when you approach the event horizon of the black hole the whole time. And you're like, hey, how about if dinner turned into spaghetti? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. I'm getting a little hungry here. If I'm he who remains at the end of time, Kang the Conqueror himself, and Alex's dad's physical invitation finally finds its way to me, I mean, I'd look at this thing. It's like, you know, I got a million invitations. I got a million things to do. Time travel could be expensive. It could be onerous. Like, I turned down an invitation to go to the Bell House to see some of my favorite comedians and friends because... It's below 50 degrees and seven blocks away. There are a lot of reasons why no one would show up at this thing. You don't have to destroy this physical invita- invitation. And what's more, you don't have to destroy this physical invitation because there's still there's still invitations out there. Unless it becomes a quest, Alec, unless you become like, uh, like Liam Neeson scouring all of Europe for all of ill-doers, obsessed with finding these invitations and destroying them, this one act of wanton destruction will bring you no justice and will bring Oscar only delight. That's it. Oscar Oscar is the jury of the peers in this case. So the ruling stands. You have Alec, you have the right to destroy this thing. But I would just say, think again. You might want to remember your father in the future. You are a time traveler. You're traveling into the future. You might want to look back on this little thing that maybe your, your father had and think, geez, my dad sure was weird. 
Here's something from Maud in Ottawa, Ontario. My name is Maud. I'm in grade four. When my mom and dad pick me up from after-school care, they insist on singing out loud while walking down the street. Often annoying songs like Lucky Ducks from the Bob's Burgers movie. Please make them stop. Oscar, have you ever walk down the street with your dad and he and he sings a song out loud? No. No. Well, this is what we got we got Maud's parents to uh to sing the song that drives Maud up a tree. This is what it sounds like when your parents sing out loud when you're walking to school. Some lucky ducks get all the luck, but that's not us. Unlucky schmucks. They didn't really sing a lot of that song, did they, Jesse? No. How would you feel if you were being walked down the streets of Ontario, Canada, to your grade four class, and Jesse Thorne, your father, was singing that song? I mean, I wish they said why the parents are doing that. So I have more of a reason to not just say the kid gets to not have their parents do that. Um, You are a model of judicial restraint. Is there any more evidence that we can offer Oscar? Maybe another case? Isn't there? Didn't we get another letter similar to this? Yeah. We also had one from Gertie, who is seven. And uh, Gertie's dad sings while taking her to school. And uh, Gertie says, he doesn't sing real songs. He sings about the things he sees, like he is Weird Al. <laughs> Not sure is that a like fair characterization of the artistry of Weird Al? Look, let's just say the kid doesn't have to have their parents singing while walking, because that's just strange. Well, before we just rule against parents singing out loud and embarrassing their kids, let me put this thought experiment to you. Here comes another brain twister. Oh, no. Oscar. What? Do you like making sounds with your mouth? Yes. So do I. Here's one that I like to make. That one's horrid. Horrid and bad. Horrid and bad. Let me hear a good one. I'm not picking that up exactly. Can you get closer on the mic? Mm-hmm. Now, when you make mouth sounds, does your dad like it? Well, usually I don't do it near my dad. Oh, okay. You just do it on your own. I'm always upstairs playing a video game. Making mouth sounds. So you're not making mouth sounds walking down the street embarrassing your dad. <laughs> it's just parents are making mouth sounds and the songs in the form of songs making their kids feel embarrassed. Oscar, do I ever sing an embarrassing song? No. Do I make embarrassing jokes? Yes. Like what? Like pouring soda on my head. Well, oh, no. Did I really pour soda on your head? You haven't. What do you mean? You've poured bubble water on my head before. Just just bubble water, not like not like soda pop, not like a Coke. Yeah, no. Just wet, not sticky. It's yeah. That's really funny though. And it's wet. Yeah. So that's <laughs> just an example of me being a really funny dad. I have my I have my answer <laughs> already. <laughs> it is that no more annoying parents. No, no more annoying. I, w- I wish I. I wish I could make that ruling. 
Kids rule, parents drool. That's Oscar's ruling. <laughs> I wish I could make that ruling. Uh, you know, the the problem is, if I really ruled on no more, no more annoying parents, we'd never have another episode of Judge John Hodgman again. The truth is, parents will annoy you whether you're age seven or in grade four in Ottawa, Ontario. That annoys me because he... Something that's weird about dad is because he gets paid for making bad jokes. <laughs> God, what am I, a chestnut? Because I'm getting roasted right now. Oscar, you got to stay off the Reddit, my friend. <laughs> Jesse, you, you, you asked me my opinion at one point. Now I'll ask you your opinion. What do you, what do you think about parents singing out loud against their own children's objections, taking them to school? I just think it's a beautiful thing for parents and children to share the objections, I mean. <laughs> to share the objections? I don't understand. Yeah, that the, the, the parents are giving the children an opportunity to sigh, whine, and complain about them while engaging in a beautiful, positive activity, which is singing songs from the very funny Bob's Burgers movie, specifically the song that all the evil carnies sing at their carny <laughs> camp. <laughs> <laughs> semi-evil they there's look there's character development among the carnies i'm not gonna no spoilers for the bob's burgers movie here i can't abide by the ruling no more annoying parents parents are always going to be a little bit annoying in different ways at different phases of your life children and i think that probably maude and gertie's respective dads and why is it always dads well i guess it's mom and dad in maude's case they sing to express their joy at having a child to walk to school. They think it's fun for everybody, but... So they so, sing the duck song. That's right. They sing the duck song, Lucky Ducks. Why that song? I guess it's because it's catchy and fun to sing for them. Well, can they, can, can't they sing the wolf song about the wolves? Which song? The, the wall song. Was there a song about the wall in the Bob's Burgers movie? No. I just made it up off the oh. top of my head. Oh, I guess Oscar is just pulling a weird owl and no. singing songs about whatever he sees. Sing That's right, there's the a wall, wall there. Song. That is the definition of weird owl's career. Sing the wall song. Yeah, the wall song. The wall song. <laughs> Oscar, you and I went to see the Bob's Burgers movie. Do you remember anything about it? I remember there was a wall song. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I I don't know. I you know it's settled law that if it's not fun for everyone, it's not fun at all, and it's not fun for Maude or for Gertie. I think that they'll. I think that they'll look back with sadness when they tell their parents to shut up and stop singing. The same way I think Alec will look back in sadness if he burns that invitation. But I will caution the parents to choose their moments. Just sing the wall song and you'll be fine. Sing okay, the wall song and you'll be fine. Exactly. Okay. Sing the wall song. <laughs> sing it. That sounds fair. I mean, there's no the way. The song's the best song. There's no, here's the thing, Maude and Gertie. There's no way for me or, or God or whatever to ever make parents less annoying than they are. But most yeah. of the time, one hopes they're annoying because they love you and they have errors of judgment. Yeah, but it would make them a little less annoying if they just sing the wall song. Yeah, and I'm not going to rule against singing ever. That's like the ruling against song. smiling or laughing. They're going to find some way to embarrass you. Better better stick with the devil you know in the form of these songs. The wall song. The wall Sing song. It. Sing the wall song. Parents, <laughs> leave those kids alone. 
just sing the wall song. The wall song. <laughs> sing it. Sing it. Sing a wall song. <laughs> Jesse, I think we're going to take a quick break. <laughs> we're going to take a quick break. Hear from this week's partners. We'll be back with more cases to clear from the docket on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. Oh, and here's a tease. Also, a new segment that I just invented called More Mouth Sounds. <laughs> Hello, I'm your Judge John Hodgman. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is brought to you every week by you, our members, of course. Thank you so much for your support of this podcast and all of your favorite podcasts at MaximumFun.org. And they are all your favorites. If you want to join the many member supporters of this podcast and this network, boy, oh boy, that would be fantastic. Just go to MaximumFun.org slash join. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Babbel. Okay, it's 2024, 2024. Oh, if hindsight were 2020, I I don't know what I would have done differently. All I know is that I'm taking every day in this year and trying to get better a little bit every day. That's what you do. That's the way progress is made, step by step, day by day, bird by bird. And that's the way it is when you're learning anything, especially a new language with Babbel. And if Babbel can help you start speaking language in just three weeks, Imagine what you could do in the rest of this whole year. Don't pay hundreds of dollars to private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts, real human beings, to help you start speaking a new language in as little as one, two, three weeks. Studies from Michigan State University, Yale University, and others continue to prove that Babbel is better. And that's not just the Yale football team putting their thumb on the scale because they love learning Indonesian from Babbel. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. Take that, Yale, I guess. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but this is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash Hodgman. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Aura. A-U-R-A. It's a simple but meaningful gift that you can give your mom or your dad or your step-grandparent or your uncle or your friend or anyone that you want to keep connected in your life who might not live near you. It's a digital picture frame from Aura. It's perfect for sharing pics of all the things that those friends can't be there for, from family vacations to grandkids' graduation to whatever. I have one of these, and I got one for my dad, and I got one for my mother-in-law, and it's amazing. We look at the photos all day long, and we're able to easily update their Aura frames so they see all the latest pictures from our lives as well. It comes with unlimited storage, simple controls on the frame. You can upload as many photos as you want, and your mom or your dad or your stepdad or your stepmom or your friend or whatever can pick the perfect one. And it takes only about two minutes to set up. Seriously. See why it was named the number one digital frame by Wirecutter, uh, The Strategist, and Wired Magazine. Right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code Hodgman. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com. Promo code Hodgman. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to the Judge John Hodgman podcast. This week, we're dispensing juvenile justice with our special guest, 
age eight or nine or so, Oscar Thorne. Oh. <laughs> Welcome back, Oscar. It's too bad we don't have any cases about fish. That's Oscar's greatest interest right now. Yes. Oh, How many okay. fish do you have in your tank right now, Oz? Eight. What kinds are they? Guppies and tetras. Guppies and tetras. And what are their names again? Remember one's name, Technoblade, one's name, Kyle, one's name, Gregory. Technoblade, Kyle, Gregory. And then there's Nyanaya, and then I haven't, and then one of them is called Eater. And then the the last one I have not named yet because I keep forgetting because I'm lazy. Yeah, I don't think you are. It's a good name is hard to it's hard to come by. Maybe we'll have yep. come up with one by the end of this uh, case. Yes, I just spent all my brain cells trying to remember my fish's names. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a case from Sasha from San Antonio, Texas. My nine year old son is a fan of Kids Bop. They're a kids singing group who cover pop songs, editing out any bad language. Oscar, are you familiar with Kids Pop? I've heard of Kids Pop. They did a, a nightmare on my street thing, but they oh. destroyed like the entire purpose of it since it's a horror song, uh-huh. and it was funny. They sweetened it up. The famous DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince song, A Nightmare on My Street. I think a good theme song for this week's episode of Judge John Hodgman would be Parents Just Don't Understand. <laughs> That's true. They really don't. Speaking of the edgy rap oeuvre of DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. There's nothing to hate about DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. They're great. Okay, here's the rest here. Now my son has been listening to the original versions, especially Driver's License by Olivia Rodrigo. He likes to sing along to this song, including the F word in the chorus. I say that's inappropriate for a nine-year-old. He says it's okay when it's part of a song. He also says that when we drove to Austin to see Kids Bop Live, I made him listen to Max Fun podcasts that had F-bombs in them. Does he have a case? Hmm. Oscar, are you familiar with the F word? I am. All right. Because my dad yells it a lot when he's mad. (laughs) I don't yell it that much. Once in a while. Whenever you're mad, you just scream it. No, very, very rarely. No, that is a lie. Trust yeah, me. Yeah, Bailiff Jesse Thorne, shut your F-hole. <laughs> I heard you say the F-word before we even started recording. It's okay. We're grownups. We can swear. What's the policy in the Thorne house about swearing at the age of nine? In my house, we are not vehemently anti-swearing, but we do ask the kids to remember that there are people who could feel bad if they swore and that there are contexts where it's appropriate to swear and ones where it isn't. That's right. I used to take my kids when they were little to Shopson's uh, General Store, which is a, a lunch counter owned and operated by the now late Kenny Shopson, one of the most notoriously foul-mouthed people in the world. And I would cringe a little bit when he would go on a long, long, very, very F-bomb-laden tirade. And then I realized they're going to learn it somehow. They might as well learn from the best. He was one of the best F-bombers in the biz. Almost as good as Olivia Rodrigo, I guess. What do you think? Should this kid be singing the F-bomb, singing along to a song with the F-bomb in it? Yes or no, Oscar? I mean, I'd say I just feel like it's it would make sense. 
Do you ever notice swear words in songs that I'm listening to in the car? Yes. Especially rap. Yeah, I do listen to some rap songs with swears in them. Yes. You're never going to hear that with DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. It's true. They keep it clean. They keep it clean. Except for the horror themes. Yeah, well, you clean, clean up the horror themes, obviously. A Nightmare on My Street. In any case, uh, I, I, I'm inclined to agree with Oscar. You opened the door, Sasha, with these foul-mouthed Max Fun podcasts. Can't imagine. Certainly not on, you're certainly not listening to Judge John Hodgman. So I, I admit I am prejudiced against you, Sasha, but I will not recuse. I'm frankly terrified that Sasha heard Jordan Jesse go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, you've set a precedent in your own car of listening to things with F-bombs in them. It would be pretty funny if you were singing along or mouthing along to whole episodes of Jordan Jesse Go that you had memorized, Sasha. That would be incredible. Oscar, have you ever heard an episode of Jordan Jesse Go? No. Okay, that's for the best. Why? Because it's just for the best for everyone, <laughs> but especially people who shouldn't hear adult themes. But I would say that, you know, not only have you opened the door by playing those bad word podcasts, but also, you know, kids bop. Uh, you, you heard... You heard uh, Mr. Oscar Thorne, his opinion on Kids Bop is they took the best part out of a perfectly good song, Nightmare on My Street. They took out the horror yeah. out of it, right? Yeah, and it was a horror song, and it was actually pretty funny because there was no horror in it because yeah. they had to get rid of all the horror, and it was funny. Look, there are lots of amazing songs out there for both kids and adults that don't have bad words in them. Listen to those. You clean. Listen, Zendaya... I know you're probably listening to this podcast. Love your work. I know that you were in Kids Bop. I learned that when I when I Wikipedia Kids Bop. Please don't get upset when I say Kids Bop is evil. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just I haven't even listened to it. It's like don't take the thing that makes it a thing out of the thing. Yes. Right. That's what I'm saying. That's what you're saying. Don't take the thing that makes it a thing out of the thing. All you're gonna do, Sasha is 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 uh, in birth in your child's imagination a thirst and a hunger for the real thing olivia rodrigo saying Fuck. there you can bleep that out i don't mind saying it in front of you oscar because i know that your dad says it all the time i don't say it all the time all just the once time. in a while when something what do you mean once in a while you once did it a like month yesterday. maybe i did, did do that it like yes i did it yesterday <laughs> and he probably also says caca and poo poo too is my <laughs> i would never i would never if it's playing in the car you can sing it along figuring out how to how to teach kids about when and when it is not appropriate both in their age and in the context in which they are moving through the world to say swear words is an important job of being a parent and hi hypocritically saying f word for me not for thee simply because it's a podcast forget it sasha you're out of line i find in favor of sasha's child here's something from creighton in silverton oregon we have four cats five if you include lady bear who lives in the attic and hates me <laughs> I think five is plenty. My eight-year-old daughter wants more. She says there's no maximum number of cats. That's true. They wow. sleep all day and 13 could fit on the couch alone. She has calculated this. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> she says if the cat's litter is changed regularly, there is no difference between three and 30. 
Who's right? Honestly? Yeah, honestly. As long as you know that they're just going to sleep a lot. They do play, but they sleep a lot. And that is the reason that she's right, because they sleep, and as long as, like, you're taking care of them, like, I wouldn't say this with fish, because with fish, like, it's, like, in a tank, but, like, you have a house with, like, pets like that, so um, it it makes sense. Yeah, but if you got 13 cats on the couch, where are you going to sit? You're going to sit on the floor like the cats used to. Whoa. The cats are in charge now, Ace. (laughs) Oscar, we have one dog. How many dogs do you think we could have in our house before it would be too many? I mean, I feel like dogs are different from cats because dogs, like when I see um, our dog, Sissy, sitting down, looking straight at me. I know she wants pets, but what I don't want is I don't want 50 dogs all staring at me with puppy eyes wanting me to pet them. (laughs) So it's the fact that cats don't necessarily like people that means you can have an infinite number of cats in your home. (laughs) Yes, and that's also why we don't have a cat. If you had an infinite number of cats and an infinite number of microphones, eventually one of them would release the Judge John Hodgman podcast. (laughs) Just, that's just facts. I can't imagine if we got more dogs that they would all be as desperate to get petted as Sissy. Unless it was a bunch of chihuahuas. If it was a bunch of chihuahuas, we might we might end up with more sissies. <laughs> so you're saying you can't have too many fish in a tank because a tank is an enclosed space and the fish wouldn't be comfortable. Mm-hmm. Right. And too many you can't have too many dogs. Because dogs stare at you. Because dogs stare at you and need and need your attention. Whereas cats Cats just, just a, like sleeping. They're just a bunch of sociopaths who want nothing to do with you anyway. You might as well house as many of them as possible. <laughs> I'm going to say this, though, to, to, to Creighton, Creighton's uh, daughter. Maybe you don't notice that cats do more than just sleep. I know that you are aware that they poop and pee. The only time I've ever like seen a cat, it was sitting in a chair doing nothing. <laughs> That is the only time I've seen a cat in person, sitting on a chair doing nothing. What about walking down the street? You've seen tons of cats walking down the street. You've only seen a cat in a chair one time. This reminds me, you know that novel, Oscar, A Hundred Years of Solitude? Of course you do. Many years later, as he faced the firing squad, Colonel Aurelio Buendia remembered the time his father took him into a room to see a cat in a chair. It's a good joke for people who like Gabriel Garcia Marquez. That was off the dome, too, by the way, Jesse. I didn't need to look that up. I remember that opening line. It's a good one. Multiple tenses. That's a time-traveling one. Many years later, as he faced fire, he remembered... Yeah, never mind. Let's move on. I'm going to say this. I hate to disagree with you, Oscar. But as the owner of one cat, I know how much that cat not only poops and pees. I also know that cat is too dumb to pee in the same place twice. (laughs) And I also know that cat pukes a lot too throws up i love that cat so much but if i had two or three or four of them all i'm saying is there's probably a reason lady bear is up in the attic because lady bear wants to be out of there lady bear did not want to be around those other cats or those humans i think that there's an there's a limit to the amount of cats that you can have there is a definitely a maximum and i would say four 
with one in the attic is about where it tops off. Unless you're Ernest Hemingway and you're living in Key West and and they have free access to the outdoors. Uh, but enclo- enclosed in one tank. Oh, by the way, don't keep your cats in tanks. So I rule, I rule in favor of Creighton. And uh, Creighton's eight-year-old daughter, uh, you know, when you have a house of your own, you can get as many cats as you want. But I think the two of you should sit down and watch... Uh, Watch Grey Gardens together this weekend, and you can, you'll can you decide. You'll see what I'm talking about. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, a terrifying interpretation of a children's book. Cliffhanger time. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on. Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Judge Hodgman, we're taking a break from the docket. Let's talk about what we've got coming up. Jesse Thorne, I'm thrilled thrilled to say that knocking all pieces of wood, including my own wooden skull, we're getting back out there in the world. Uh, as I've mentioned before, uh, Monty Belmonte and I are doing our Hodge Monty holiday spectacular with special guests, Jonathan Colton and Jean Gray at the Shea Theater in Turner's Falls, Massachusetts. That's December 17th. It's coming right up there. Just Google Hodge Monty and it'll take you right to where you need to go to get those tickets. H-O-D-G-M-O-N-T-E. But as exciting as that, San Francisco Sketch Fest tickets are on sale. That's right. We're going back to Sketch Fest, San Francisco in person. Judge John Hodgman live at the Sydney Goldstein Theater. Ooh, beautiful theater. February 4th at 7.30 p.m. And we obviously will need your cases, your disputes for that show in San Francisco. If you're in San Francisco or the Bay Area and you'd like uh, us to consider your dispute for possible adjudication on stage, submit them now, please, at MaximumFun.org slash JJHO. Just let us know in the subject line or anywhere in the email that uh, you're going to be at the live show and uh, you'd like us to consider your dispute for Judge John Hodgman live at Sketchfest. Get your tickets now, sfsketchfest.com. And hey, John, uh, that same day that you're going to be doing Hodge Monty, December 17th, uh, out on the East Coast, I'm going to be uh, out here on the West Coast in Southern California at the uh, Pasadena Vintage Flea Market, 
which is a really cool flea market. I did it two months ago. A bunch of Judge John Hodgman people came out and said hi. It was really nice to meet people, but it's going to be the perfect place to get your last minute holiday gifts. It's not just me. It will be dozens and dozens of vendors. Uh, got a good buddy named John Miner who's going to be selling some great records. Um, I saw all kinds of great stuff. There was a woman who who brought a uh, like a fully restored 50s pickup truck full of flowers. I thought that was pretty great. Um, but yeah, come out, say hi to me, and uh, say hi to my tiny Japanese van uh, at the South Pasadena Vintage Flea Market. Um, and look, I'm not going to say that you have to bring me honey from your backyard, but I will say that longtime Max Funster Cruftbox did bring me honey from his backyard. So I'm going to need you to, if you don't do that, um, just look around the house and see what artisanal products you have to bring me. Um, whatever it is, I'll, I'll accept it, you know, at the end of the day. Uh, but Homemade kombucha? Sure. Yeah, sure. Why not? Bring the booch. Bring the booch. Uh, <laughs> December 17th. And if you're, if you're not in Southern California, of course, go to putthisonshop.com and do your holiday shopping. Uh, it's getting up on the last minute, but we, man, we got some great treasures. So, so please do that. We'll be back in just a second on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. Welcome back to the Judge John Hodgman podcast. We're clearing the docket and we're talking juvenile justice with our guest judge, Oscar Thorne. Hello. 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 Great job resetting yourself, Oscar. That's fantastic. For people just joining the podcast, this is the sound of Oscar's voice. All right, let's continue on. Okay, thank you. It's good It's good to have you here, Oscar, to keep things moving along seriously. If I remember correctly, this is a case that comes from Australia. Is that right, Jesse? The Antipodes, something from Joel. My 10-year-old daughter Zoe and I have a banana dispute. She says banana bread and banana cake are the same because their ingredients are identical. I say they're different. Banana cake is cakey. Banana bread is dense. It can be toasted and spread with butter, like bread. Who's right? Oscar, do you like banana bread? I don't. I've never had. I think. Have I had banana banana bread before? I think you would remember. It's like, um, it tastes like um, garbage. Okay. So you would probably remember if you had it. Because you have to, you, you make banana bread with bananas that have gone bad. It is a way oh. to... Not not gone bad, but they they got a little brown and mushy, and you make banana bread with it in order to extend the life of the banana that you probably should not have bought in the first place. I don't mean to I don't mean to influence your decision here, but I'm just I just wondered if you had an opinion on banana bread. Some people do. I definitely do have an opinion on banana bread. It's garbage. <laughs> do you have an opinion on banana cake, Judge Hodgman? You got to be careful because one time I think on this podcast, maybe on Jordan Jesse Go, I described banana bread as garbage bread. Because it is bread made from the literal garbage in your home. <laughs> the bananas that are too old to eat. Uh, which, I mean, to be fair, I do but throw Dad, in my freezer and save for recycling. It is recycling. But it's horrible recycling. That doesn't make sense. And it's a horrible decision. And I don't know uh, who invented banana bread, but they made a big mistake. Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> gross. Especially when it has like walnuts in it. Oof. Yep. I don't think break. you I don't think you said it on this podcast. I'm sorry you didn't. You must have said it on Jordan Jesse Go and you must have said it's fucking garbage bread. It was a it was I don't think I have ever touched a third rail as electrified as banana bread. 
Honestly, it's possible that like Linda Holmes swatted me. <laughs> I know people love banana bread and you can love what you love. You can like what you like. I think it tastes like garbage. And I know as my friend bailiff, Jesse Thorne says it, uh, it's made from garbage. It's a classic example of a category of food to which I am opposed that also includes most muffins, which is things that have all of the negative health effects of desserts, but are not actually desserts. <laughs> like, wait, just eat something good. Right. <laughs> just eat something. If you, if you want to have a sweet treat, have a good one. Have, for example, some banana cake. Sounds nice. I love banana pudding. I, banana pudding? Pudding. Banana pudding with Nilla wafers? Give me it. Num, num, num. I've had different kinds of pudding, but I don't know if I've had banana pudding, probably. I think we've had banana pudding together okay. before, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oscar, did I ever tell you that I grew up in a town called Brookline, Massachusetts? Uh, I remember you telling me that, but I forgot it. Did I ever tell you that I used to work at the movie theater, the old the old-timey movie theater that showed old-timey movies, and right next, right next door to the movie theater had been a, a coffee place. A, a fancy coffee place called the Coffee Connection, and both my very good friend Jay, and m the the person who is now my wife and a whole human being in her own right, also worked there. We all used to hang around, but then the coffee place went out of business. You know what? Re re what replaced it? What? A pudding parlor. <laughs> <laughs> Not an ice cream store. A pudding parlor. <laughs> What's a pudding parlor? <laughs> they, you would walk in. It's, it, it was like a like a gourmet ice cream store. But instead of like, I'll ha instead of having a list of like, uh, you know, sweet cream, Rocky Road, whatever, they had all these different puddings, different flavors of pudding. And Sounds like the name of a private club for adults. It's, it's, it was not, well, it wasn't called the Pudding Parlor. Of course, you know what it was called. This is a true story. Pudding on the Ritz? Pudding at first. <laughs> pudding on the Ritz would have been better. Pudding at first. I think it lasted seven months. I had one pudding from there and I probably would have ordered banana pudding because here's the thing. I don't have a sweet tooth, but I do like the taste of banana desserts. I like a banana uh, pudding with vanilla wafers. I like a bananas foster. Do you know what a bananas foster is, Oscar? Nope. They take bananas and they set them on fire. They pour brandy over them and they set it on fire. Wow. That is, you're lying. No, I'm not lying, sir. Wow. I am not lying. I would not lie. I'll say this for banana bread. Like Bananas Foster, it improves a lot. I honestly forgot what the case was. We're just talking about how garbage banana bread is. Yeah. yeah I mean, that's what this show is. Oh. Okay. Well, that's a good point, Oscar. Here's the case. Are banana bread and banana cake the same thing? That's what this Australian's daughter says. Now, I had never heard of banana cake. So Joel from Melbourne, Australia, sent me a link to a recipe for banana cake. Can Oscar see this? Yep. Ooh. Ooh. Banana. Um, cake. Oscar, how would you describe that banana cake? So it's like a flat brown plate looking thing mm -hmm. with like cream on top of it and then another weird plate thing with cream on top of it. Yeah. And then yeah. more cream on top of that with bananas on it. Yeah. And the brown plate things, that's the cake. Right. That's some cake. So there's layers of cake, layers of cream, and there's banana slices in the layers of cream. Before we go to the other link that Joel sent, Oscar, that thing we were just looking at, 
if I handed that to you and said, would you like a slice of this bread? Would you think, what would you think of me? I would think you were just being an idiot. Mm-hmm. Exactly so. Just like looks... my dad is at all times of day. Oh, okay. <laughs> the point is, it looks like a cake. Now, let's take a look at this no, banana it looks, bread. It, it looks, no, it looks like a weird pancake, kind of. It looks mm-hmm. like a layer cake. A layer yeah. cake. Okay. Yeah. Let's take a look at this picture of banana bread. We got the picture. There it is. Oh, oh my God. That is pitiful. (laughs) What is that? That That looks like they put like dirt inside of like crust. That's roughly what banana bread is. Dude, that is absolutely disgusting. Who will eat that? Too many people, in my opinion. It looks like dirt. Like, it's, it's better if you toast it and put butter on it, but it's still not exactly good. It, Oscar, you're absolutely right. It looks like dirt. And what I really appreciate here is that I feel redeemed because we showed you a cake, and it, yeah, it looked like a cake, and it was boring enough to see. But then the the pure and instinctive contempt that you felt when you saw this banana bread. Clearly, banana bread is its own thing. Now, you'd be surprised to learn, or you might be, according to the recipe that Joel sent for that banana cake, banana cake is also best made with mushy bananas. It is also made out of garbage. (laughs) But this is proof. Mushy bananas, garbage. Yeah. But I mean, if you're going to use them for anything, make a cake out of them. You don't... If anything, it's just more proof that banana bread is trash. Like you make banana bread, people are repulsed. You make banana cake, people are at worst indifferent, as we've seen. And in my case, I was a little, I thought thought it looked good. The lesson here, as far as I'm concerned, is if you're going to mix bananas, dairy, flour, and sugar, you better have a banana cream pie at the end. Banana cream pie would be really good. I'd like All right, can we move back to the case? Because I want to answer this case. It's been going on for too long. Do you think banana bread and banana cake are the same because they both have bananas, flour, sugar, and so forth? Definitely not. Right. Thank you. I've never felt more affirmed. I'll admit it. They're both garbage. Okay. Fair enough. They're both made from garbage. But the I cake looks okay. Affirmed. Yeah. I don't love cake but it looks I'd, yeah, I'd have a slice I. neither do i but i but what i do like is can we move to the next cage now i'm bored okay one more case from amy in delaware ohio i have a 10 year old son named bill we have a dispute about the children's book mr topsy turvy in the story mr topsy turvy visits a town and causes mischief when he disappears the town is left completely topsy-turvy. I believe that Mr. Topsy-Turvy has gone home. Bill says the townsfolk have murdered and consumed Mr. Topsy-Turvy. They act topsy-turvy because they have absorbed Mr. Topsy-Turvy's essence. Please rule that Bill is wrong and must stop yelling, they ate him! When we read the book. So, yes, I have one thing to say. I I believe that how could more than one people 
consume one person. There's not enough essence to go around. Right. And plus, mm. they'd get arrested for it, so. If there's even, I mean, the it's upside down in Topsy-Turvy Town. Who would even do the arresting? The criminals, maybe. I'm not familiar with this book, Mr. Topsy-Turvy. This is one of the little, the Mr. and Miss books. Mr. Man books. Yeah, this is a Mr. Man book. I remember this from my own childhood. I was very early on Mr. Man books because uh, my best buddy Jody Scott had an English parent or English books. Danger Mouse, Mr. Man, and EastEnders were all very important in their house. Amy sent in some evidence, and there's a page here from Mr. Topsy-Turvy about when Mr. Topsy-Turvy is left. And there's a, a photo, a, 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 an illustration of a, of a newsreader on television. And the text says, what the town discovered, even though Mr. Topsy-Turvy had left, was that everything was still topsy-turvy. Read all it about, shouted the people selling newspapers, instead of shouting, read all about it. So I, I don't know this particular uh, Mr. Man book, but Amy sent in some evidence and this photo sort of towards the end after Mr. Topsy-Turvy has mm, disappeared or been eaten ritually. And I guess what it's an illustration of a, of a newsreader on television and says what, what the town discovered, even though Mr. Topsy-Turvy had left, was that everything was still topsy-turvy. Read all it about, shouted the men selling newspapers instead of shouting read all about it. Morning good, people started saying to each other when they met, and do do you how, instead of how do you do. Everyone was talking topsy-turvy. So, Oscar, you feel that uh, Mr. Topsy-Turvy has not been ritually slain and eaten by the townsfolk. But that's just because you think it would be impractical for everyone in the town to have a piece of Mr. Topsy-Turvy? Wait, now that we think about it, this is a book. Right. So why are we even talking about it? No, this is a book. Mm -hmm. So technically, it's not like any way could be anything, even if it doesn't make sense, since it's a book and children don't understand existence. And it's a children's book, I'm guessing. Mm -hmm. So it just makes sense because children don't understand some things, most things, actually. My thinking is this. You know, Oscar, that book Stone Soup? Yeah. You know how the they start with the stones and then they make enough soup for everyone in the entire village? Mm -hmm. What if instead of starting with stones, they started with the corpse of Mr. Topsy-Turvy? Oh, my God. And then everyone in the village brought like a zucchini or whatever. That's what I'm saying. It's a book. Mm -hmm. So either one would work and because then, children don't understand existence and are little puny, little puny little things in this world. Well, now you're talking my language. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'll say that uh, uh, Amy's uh, child is not entirely off the mark here. You, you know, can cannibalism has been practiced in times of cannibalism has been practiced uh, in times of hardship, uh, from the Donner Party to many, many sailors to the uh, to the uh, to those um, uh, human-eating soccer players in the Andes. It would be hard for an entire township to gain sustenance out of this one Mister Topsy Turvy. You're right. It wouldn't go. But if the point isn't survival, but instead ritual, a little topsy-turvy goes a long way. Everyone just needs a bite of him to get that essence. Do you know what I mean? You ever read a children's book called The Lottery? No. They should make an illustrated children's book version of The Lottery, a little golden book of The Lottery by Shirley Jackson. That would That is not kid-friendly. Gambling is not kid-friendly. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a different kind of gamble as you, as you will surely read when you hit seventh grade. 
Um, but in any case, I am going to say the evidence is right in the text. Yes. Mr. Topsy-Turvy left. Okay. It says so. Mr. Topsy-Turvy had left. And not only that, but the topsy-turviness of the town would suggest that it is, they are not happy to still be topsy-turvy. Or I should say, they are happy not to to be still turvy topsy. Because, you know what I mean? Because they're okay, like, they sense. can't. Yeah. So why would they want to eat him to get topsy-turvy? Mr. Topsy-Turvy is the antagonist in this. He's, he is the, the town who comes to stranger Amy's son in a topsy-turvy way. Yeah. And then they get rid of him. If eating him was going to save the town, they would not be topsy turvy at the end. They would, they would, they would have consumed him and set things right. Is my is my interpretation? Yeah, that make that that makes sense. Well, I went to Yale for literary theory. Did you know that, Oscar? Hmm? It was it was really, never mind. It was worth it. Point is, I'm inclined to rule against ten year old Bill on the facts, but on the other hand, which is more fun, Oscar? To believe that Mr. Topsy-Turvy just left or to believe that the town in secret in the dead of night decided to eat him? I think he just left because children, it's inappropriate for, for children. Cannibalism isn't appropriate. And that's a children's book. And um, it wouldn't make sense that cannibalism would be inside of a kids book so no i i agree i don't think it is the author's intent to suggest that this is a town of cannibals but that said i also learned in college that the author is dead probably <laughs> eaten by the town frankly and that you can interpret a book without consideration toward the authorial intent okay either one's fine with me just choose one yeah okay i will bill wins <laughs> mr topsy-turvy got it for sure <laughs> I think I think there's everything. The text does not really support that conclusion, but it makes it a lot more fun to read. Yeah, Mr. Topsy Turvy sounds like the signifier just got signified. Bop bop bop. Bop bop bop. And finally, Sing the Amy song. Amy also sent in. Oh, all right, all right. Let's do it. All right. I don't mean. Were you gonna sing it? No. Okay. <laughs> I like it though. Finally, uh, Amy sent in some uh, other photographic non-evidence of this wonderful dog they have. Do we know the name of this dog? No. What's a dog? Re- how is this dog related? Sometimes people just send in pictures of their pets <laughs> so, <laughs> for me to see them. <laughs> look, Aww, <laughs> look at his teeth. <laughs> Got a little underbite there. <laughs> I don't know what the name of this dog is, and I don't know what the name of that fish is. Fish? Well, I was just, we still have to name that fish. What about Mr. Topsy-Turvy? Mr. Topsy-Turvy or Mr. Turvy Topsy? No, your last fish that doesn't have a name yet. What if we named it Mr. Topsy-Turvy? Here are the candidates. Mr. Topsy-Turvy, the fish. Banana cake, the fish. Disgusting banana bread, the fish. Oh, I have an idea. I'm going to, I'm going to name it. Um, banana bread is garbage. Banana bread is garbage. The fish. Welcome to the tank. I love it. Oscar, thank you so much for lending your true wisdom and harsh justice to juvenile court this week. The docket is now clear. That's it for another episode of Judge John Hodgman. Our producer is Jennifer Marmer. Our editor is Valerie Moffat. Valerie Moffat on the boards on this episode. 
Follow us on Twitter at Jesse Thorne and at Hodgman. We're on Instagram at Judge John Hodgman. Hashtag your Judge John Hodgman tweets, hashtag JJHO, and check out the Maximum Fun subreddit to discuss this episode at MaximumFun.reddit.com. You know, Oscar, Jesse, Valerie, you are all there in Southern California. I don't know what it's like there, but here, here it's taking a real cold snap. Uh, winter, winter is upon us. We're, we got to get cozed up up here. During these dark, cold times, we need some of that cozy comfort. And I was thinking, why don't you send us some of your cozy disputes? Did your sibling steal your favorite cozy cardigan? Mm. Does your partner hog the comfy covers? Uh, oh, I know. Uh, a couch full of 13 cats. Is that cozy or merely smelly? Um, we'll take any cozy dispute you might guess. Uh, disputes about tea cozies. Uh, now it's time for me to go home and play Fortnite. That sounds cozy to me. Preferred activity. <laughs> How do you cozy up? What's your favorite cozy mystery to read? Submit your cozy disputes to MaximumFun.org slash JJHO. Do it. Oscar, you love coziness. What's cozy to you? You inherited your mom's passion for being cozy. Sissy. Sissy, our dog Sissy. If you have disputes with our dog Sissy, like she's a biter, for example. And she begs for pets 24-7. Once she starts licking you, she just does it compulsively yeah. until you literally physically pull her off you. Yes. None of this sounds particularly cozy to me. But then again, it's not a cat versus dog thing. That cat puke, not cozy. She pees in mommy and daddy's bathroom sometimes, but not in the toilet. That's why I have pet fish. They don't pee. Well, they poop, but they don't really pee. And we'll take any of your disputes that you might have. Yeah. And if you have disputes that aren't about our dog, Sissy, you can still submit them at MaximumFun.org slash Because we don't care what it's about. Honestly, we don't. Just submit it and... We'll let Jen and John sort it out, you know, yeah. after it's been submitted. If you got a dispute, put it in there. We'll eat it up. Uh, ask my son is losing his mind at this point. So <laughs> we'll talk to you next time. We got to go get some tacos. We'll talk to you next time on Taco the Judge time. John Hodgman podcast. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.